Welcome to the Haunted Hangover Podcast. I'm Louie, and as always, I'm joined by my bud, Dave. Hey. So, Dave, it's the final installment of our month-long coverage of Halloween animated specials. Yes, it is. And and I feel like we should have a name for this, some sort of like a catchy name for this month-long thing we're doing. Maybe next year we'll have some sort of witty name for it like animation animation month or, or, or something like that <laughs> oh i don't i can't even i can't even think of anything off the top of my head lou and dave's uh excellent animated i don't fucking know so, something silly and kind of kind of can go with like uh halloween yeah, this is something i have to think about maybe, maybe the listeners can help us uh uh choose something i don't know maybe we can ask people absolutely <laughs> when we post this up we'll we'll put up a poll on instagram and help us choose a fitting title for our animated coverings of Halloween stuff. Yeah, because, you know, we want to do this again next January. And, and it would yeah, be good. Yeah, it will be a thing every just, year. Yeah, it, it would be good to kind of just have something something to call it. You Absolutely. Know? Something to call the month. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Anyway, <laughs> with that aside, let's get into the animated special we're covering today. The final animated special and this is a personal favorite of mine and that is the halloween tree it was a small town by a small river and a small lake in a small northern part of a midwest state there wasn't so much wilderness around that you couldn't see the town on the other hand there wasn't so much town around that you couldn't see and feel and touch the wilderness The town was full of fences to walk on and sidewalks to skate on and the muted cries and laughter of boys and girls full of costumed dreams and pumpkin spirits preparing for the greatest night of the year better than Easter, better than Christmas, Halloween. So the Halloween tree is based on Ray Bradbury's 1972 novel of the same name. It was released on October 2nd 1993 and it originally aired on abc but was syndicated during the halloween season on the cartoon network dave did you watch this when it originally aired i have never seen it up until today (laughs) literally the day of our recording i have not seen this um i was 10 when this came out i may have seen it back as a kid but i honestly couldn't i i don't remember um, I'm a little mad at myself for not, you know, waiting for uh, so long to see it, but I'm happy I finally did. Um, it's funny, too, that you mentioned the book, because I actually found a copy of the book on my garbage route, and I have been meaning to read it. So I'm, I'm curious to ca- to compare the uh, the cartoon and the book. There are a few differences between the book and the cartoon. I don't want to get too into it, because uh, we do have some plans for the book down the line. Uh, but I didn't watch it when it originally aired either. Um, I, I caught it on Cartoon Network, I believe, in the late 90s. I, I was already like a preteen, I think, when I watched this. Maybe like 10, 12, around that age. And when I saw it, I fell in love. I thought it was awesome. Um, I, it's weird because I feel like this doesn't get aired at all now. I, no one no, talks I've never seen it. about this special. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- it's really weird. You would think you'd see it more in the Halloween community, but you really don't hear about it. 
You know, you hear about the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, every goddamn year, but you don't hear about the Halloween tree. So I definitely think it's underrated, personally. Okay, I could I could see that. So Ray Bradbury also wrote the screenplay and did the narration in the film. And I believe Hanna-Barbera helped produce it as well. I think they were in charge of all the drawings and animation. Like, they were the studio behind it. There's something I wanted to add about the animation. The animation, and I did not look this up, so we're going to have to do this, you know, post-show. But the literally, the animation looks exactly like the recess animation. So I wonder if it's the same team. Because Have you ever watched Recess? Yes. They it, it literally looked like just another group of kids from Recess when I was watching. I was like, this, I wonder if it's the same animators. So I have to look that up. You know what it reminded me of? Remember the Burger King Club? Yes, those two. Those exactly. Or whatever, the Burger King Kids Club. 100%. It reminded me of that. That's kind of what the animation looks like. Um, but yeah, also, another, another thing people remember about this that do know about it is that Leonard Nimoy... Spock himself <laughs> voiced the character of Mr. Moundshroud. My man. So, little Star Wars, not Star Wars, Star Trek connection there. There it is. So let's break down, like we normally do, what happens in this film. Let's do it. So it opens in this small, unnamed town mm-hmm. on Halloween. And it's also in a undisclosed time period i couldn't figure it out the book was written in the 70s so i'm guessing this was like the 50s or 40s or something like that because he was ray bradbury was obviously a grown-ass man when he wrote the book so i'm guessing he based this on something that happened or his childhood you know it's funny that you bring up not knowing the time period because so i really like the mention of ray bradbury's narration when he's like um, I, I don't I can't really say it word for word, but he's breaking it down. He's like a small this, a small that, a small mi- midwestern town, and I just love the way that like 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 to me it makes sense that it took place in the Midwest. Like watching the whole cartoon and shit, and just to go back to and if, if I butcher this word ambiguity, so if I said that wrong, I apologize. Um, as of late, I had been watching. David Robert Mitchell's films. I watched The Myth of the American Sleepover and I watched It Follows. And that is a huge tool of his in his movies where you don't know the time period of these movies. Obviously, they're modern, but if you watch them, and I know he does this purposely, you don't know, like you can't pinpoint the time. And I love that. I absolutely love when uh, anything does something like that where... It kind of makes you scratch your head like, whoa, when does this take place? So I really did enjoy that about this, that you don't know. Yeah, it makes things timeless. For sure. So we meet Tom Skelton, who's wearing a skeleton jumpsuit. Jenny, who's a witch. Wally, as a monster. And Ralph, as a mummy. Those are all their costumes. We're seeing them getting ready for the big day Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. The witch mask is great. It is. It is. All the masks are great. The monster mask and even like like Tom's skeleton mask, the green skeleton mask he wears that matches his green bones. It looks great. Dude, the the monster that kid is dressed as looks like the monsters from uh, Goosebumps. Um, what is it? One Day at Harland? Is that the name of the episode or the book? 
I just kept thinking of that, like with the horns and all that. <laughs> that's all I kept thinking about. <laughs> it did remind. Now that you say it, I can see that now. <laughs> There's also this really funny exchange between Ralph and his dad. So his dad's like helping him get all tied up in the gauze to dress up as the mummy. And he basically apologizes to his dad. He's like, Dad, I'm sorry I used all your gauze. And the dad has like this really weird line where he says, I hope you don't have to go to the bathroom. Almost treating the gauze as toilet paper. So that was a little confusing and odd. Weird ass dad. Uh, Another funny side note I made here is uh, the kid who voices Ralph is named Alex Greenwald. And he formed that band Phantom Planet. I don't know if I don't know if you know if you're familiar with Phantom him. Planet. Isn't that isn't that the dude from what's is that what's that actor's name? Jason Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Jason is that Schwartzman. the band he's in? He was the drummer. Yeah, <laughs> the guy yeah. from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he was, I remember he was like the main. Yeah, he, that band Phantom Planet. The guy that like created that band formed it. Is the guy who voiced he voiced Ralph? Interesting. In this, in, yeah, it's interesting, and. The kid who voiced Wally, the actor's name is Andrew Keegan. He was like the douchey model guy from that movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. Know exactly who you're talking about. So after meeting this gang of kids, uh, they go to head to their friend Joe Pipkin's house after he fails to meet them in some little meetup spot to go trick-or-treating. It's implied that Pipkin is sort of the leader of the group, too. Just kind of the the interaction between the kids. You kind of get the sense that he's the one that kind of... Like, they basically revolve everything around this kid telling them what to do. Not in, like, a bullying way, but he's just kind of the the leader. He's the cool one out of the group. He's brave. He's not scared of anything. And I kind of like that he's the one missing, and they're kind of just lost without him. So they arrive at Pipkin's house... And they discover him being loaded into an ambulance. And they also find a note on the front door explaining that he has, I believe it's pronounced appendicitis, mm-hmm. right? Is it app- right. appendix? His appendix Appendicitis, burst, yeah. And I think it has to be re- appendicitis, right? Yeah. And that they should go trick-or-treating without him. That right there kind of tells you when this takes place because I don't think that kills people as much today like it's not or even in the last 20 years i think it's an easily it's an easily fixable problem it's it's still a th- like like if you get appendicitis and it bursts and you don't get if you don't catch it in time you can absolutely die no 100 percent. but i guess like with modern medicine it's not as bad it's not as bad as it used to be probably like 60 years ago that's yeah. so that kind of sh- i felt it kind of shows you where this like when this takes place at least i took it with that if i'm gonna be honest very honest with you i think it took place in the year that it was actually created that's just me that's Mm -hmm. what i got from it but i could be fucking wrong so who knows let's let's keep it up in the air you know the 70s you know it was was early 70s too 72 is when the book was released so if you think about it maybe at that point you know if your appendix burst that's probably not a good thing so it's never it's never a good thing it's never a good thing (laughs) So, not wanting to celebrate Halloween without Pipkin, Tom decides the group should take a shortcut and visit him in the hospital. Unfortunately, (laughs) the shortcut is through some spooky woods. The ravine. (laughs) Yes, a ravine. Sorry. Spooky woods ravine. (laughs) And another funny thing about it is while the kids are kind of walking through uh, these woods, through the ravine, 
the trees almost come to life. Mm-hmm. I think at one point, one of the branches kind of turns into a hand and grabs, I think it's Wally, and kind of pulls him. And this entire sequence has a lot of atmosphere. It's great. It's amazing. As they continue through the woods, the gang come across Pipkin, who now looks all ghostly. He's all like translucent and shit. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously, it's obviously his spirit. When you look at this, you're like, okay, that's not him. That's his ghost. There's a great line that um, the kid says. He goes, I can see right through him. And then the other kid goes, nah, it's the funny moonlight. And I was like, I might have to name that a song. <laughs> to, to think that moonlight affects things like that, that you become translucent. <laughs> there are kids. Makes sense. Uh, Tom thinks this is all like an elaborate trick by Pipkin. It is Halloween. And he encourages the rest of the kids to follow him and chase Pipkin. They eventually lose Pipkin and come across this large, creepy mansion and enter it. I also want to also want to say they call him Pip, so I'm gonna yep. start calling him that. They don't call him Pipkin the entire time. Just, it's a little easier to explain because that's what his nickname is. That's what the group calls him, Pip. Um, I also want to say that I love everything about this mansion. It is a traditional yep. spooky mansion, and I just love how everything about the mansion is kind of haunted. So like the floorboards move, the knocker. On the front door is like this evil face that raises like with the mouth. It opens up. It's just great. I know I've said this many a times on the show, but the depiction, the atmosphere of Halloween presented, and I'm and I'm going to say maybe above all, everything, is probably the most accurate of what it looks like in my head. And it completely reminds me of the AFI All Hallows EP. Uh, artwork like oh yeah no i can see the similarities absolutely there's one thing that ray bradbury narrates when they get to the mansion or the house or whatever you want to call it is they say a house cut out of black marble and i was thinking did black marble get his name from this and it's not (laughs) crazy to think about that you know what i'm saying like it's very possible that this is where he got his stage name. And I really, I'm going to have to look this up because I, I was very fascinated about it. I was like, oh shit. That's a good observation. I didn't even think of that. Dude, ba- bands get their names from the weirdest little things you wouldn't expect. That's how it is. Hey, hey, let me just say one thing. When I used to record under the name, and listen, it's not even, I haven't even deaded that name. I'm going to still use that name. But when I used to record under Without You, I'm Hunting Them. And when I tell a select few people where it's from, everybody's like, what? So, yes. Conjuring I know where names. it's from, and it is very random. <laughs> Absolutely it is. So, conjuring fucking names from the most random shit is the best. <laughs> so, once inside the house, the group meet, and I'm going to butcher his full name right now. Do it. But they meet Carapace Clavicle Moundshrout, a.k.a. Yeah. Mr. Moundshrout. <laughs> I love him. I a hundred percent. I think I I think I butchered the first name, not the middle one. That That's was okay. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's actually kind of a joke too in the movies. I I think one of the kids like try to pronounce his full name and they have trouble saying it because it is fucking tricky. Yeah, he says it. He says like baklava, and he's like it's clavicle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So Mr. Mountrout starts questioning the kid's knowledge of costumes and Halloween history in general. He's kind of looking them up and down and looking at their costumes like, do you know what where monsters came from? Do you know where skeletons came from? Do you know where witches came from? He's basically singling out every single one of these kids and just like shitting on them for not knowing where Halloween started. <laughs> yeah, he is. He also explains that he's after Pipkin's ghost, which sort of makes him this like Grim Reaper character. That's at least that's at least how I took it. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Yeah, it, it comes off that way. No, it does. Yeah, like they don't. It's not blatant. Like they, he doesn't have a sickle. No, and a hood. he doesn't look anything like he. He lo- literally looks like a creepy guy that would live in a fucking castle. So that's that's exactly what he's. <laughs> we'll talk about his look later on in the episode. Yes, we will. <laughs> In the process, Pipkin, his spirit, or his ghostly apparition, reappears and steals one of the jack-o'-lanterns with his likeness off of Mr. Mountrout's Halloween tree. That's where the, the title comes from. So next to Mr. Mountrout's mansion is this really large, spooky tree full of just jack-o'-lanterns. Honestly, it looks awesome. It's, it's the most... It's pretty good. Like, when you think of Halloween and, like, just something that sets the atmosphere and mood, that tree... And I believe I've seen a lot of people... It's what I see most posted online from the Halloween tree book and from this this um, special is just this image of the tree with all the pumpkins in it. It's very yep. iconic. Yeah. And 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 I think it's the most iconic thing from this since it's called the Halloween tree. And when you watch this, you think it play it plays into it, but not as much as you think. <laughs> like it really doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. He is, he Pipkin as a as a spirit, like I said, just steals a pumpkin from the tree and that's really the motivation. That's the MacGuffin. That that pumpkin is the MacGuffin yeah. of this special. So Mr. Mountrout, he's upset. He's tight. He's like, your friend took my, my pumpkin and I need the pumpkin back and I need him back because you kind of get the sense that Pipkin is in the hospital dying. So Tom insists that the group help Mr. Mountrout find Pipkin and he's kind of hesitant at first because he's like, no, I'll do it myself because you're a bunch of kids. You guys don't know jack right. shit about Halloween. But Tom's able to kind of go like, all right, look, I get that. But he's our friend and we want to find him too. So Mr. Mountrown agrees to allow them to join him on this adventure. But it's sort of like a scavenger hunt that kind of teaches the kids the history of Halloween along the way. Exactly. And I also love that these kids are down for everything and anything in this fucking animation. There's n- they are never afraid. They're just like, yeah, let's go do that. Let's do this. Let's go follow them. There's no, like, none of them are afraid, which is really funny. Yeah, like this creepy dude wants your friend's spirit, and he wants this magical pumpkin, 
and they don't question shit. I, I'm not gonna lie. I would I would go with it too. So I'm just uh, I, I can really. I'm not gonna front. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do they get to these other time periods to kind of explain the history of Halloween and find their friend? They build an a, a kite out of some old posters. Which I don't want to get into too much now because it's one of my favorite moments of sure. this special. We're going to talk more about it later. But they create this magical kite. And their first stop is in ancient Egypt where they learn about the celebration called the Feast of the Ghost. And they also learn about mummification. Nobody fucks with Egypt. <laughs> so in the process, Ralph or Ralphie, who's dressed up as a mummy finds a weakened Pipkin and begs him to return home. We also learn that Pipkin never made fun of Ralph like the others have. Apparently they make fun of him wearing glasses or some shit. Like he's a ner- he's a nerdy character. So I guess he's like the butt of every joke in this group and Pipkin being the great leader that he is kind of never poked fun at him. That's Again, this all goes back to Pipkin kind of being the the best of the group, the all the well-rounded of all of them. Good on Pipkin. Eventually, an Egyptian priest tries to embalm Pipkin, but Ralph pretends to be a living mummy and scares them all away. <laughs> I think a bunch of them like hide inside sarcophagus or whatever, like mummy well, tombs or coffins, and then he runs out like all bandaged up and scares all these people. It's kind of th- silly. There was one thing I wanted to add that I just kept thinking how rude it was that those kids ran off as they were treated so cordially to have dinner with the family and their dead grandpa. I was like, they just fucking leave like that? No respect. <laughs> well, going back to that scene, which is a great scene, when they're when they're introduced to the family and they're sitting down before they enter this whole like tomb and shit and, and, and uh, Ralph scares everyone off. That family has a 62-year-old dead corpse sitting with them at the table. (laughs) And what I love about it is, like, there's a frame that is like a POV shot of this mummy. Missing teeth, all decomposed with a bandage. And the kids are like, they didn't realize that there was a corpse, like, a foot away from them just sitting at the table. So I kind of totally understand why they ran the fuck out of there. (laughs) Like... (laughs) (laughs) whatever eventually mr moundtron shows up this time he's pretending to be a mummy himself and he kind of confronts pipkin because again remember he wants pipkin's soul but pipkin scared with his magic pumpkin runs away and escapes the group once again chase pip through time this time ending up at stonehenge during the dark ages This automatically reminded me of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because of the whole Celtic root thing and how they're using pieces of Stonehenge in the mask. As soon as I saw Stonehenge, I was like, Halloween 3. There it is. Not that many people get the connection with like the Celtic roots of Halloween and Stonehenge and all that shit when they watch Halloween 3. So I just gotta I kind of found that interesting that two things that are Halloween related, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch and the Halloween tree use this like famous location to kind of you know kick off their magical adventure yeah the gang also come across some celtic druids who are performing a ritual 
while Mr. Mountshrout gives them another like history lesson. That's basically what he's doing every time they visit these certain points in history. He just kind of stops and starts explaining to them what's going on in like a monologue. That's that's basically what happens every time they visit a different, a different place. time period. Yeah, yeah. Pipkin kind of shows up as a black cat in this scene while Mister uh, Mountshroud is explaining the the Celtic roots of Halloween, and it's kind of random. He just he just morphs into this black cat, and there's this cool shot of like the moon. And like mm-hmm. him in front of it, which kind of is mimicking that like famous decoration. That's what I took it of took it as as of the uh, of a black cat in front of the moon. You know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. And then they come across a group of witches who are harvesting straw in order to make brooms while celebrating the new year. I love the way the witches look, by the way. Yeah, they do. It's really, it's really like old school, like. Yep. It's Loved not it. like green faces, pointy nose, nope. and pointy hats. Like They're really cool real looking. witches. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me of like Salem Witch. Not Absolutely. a little earlier, but yeah. that's kind of the vibe sure. I got from that whole situation. Um, eventually, a mob of villagers show up and attempt to burn the witches and the kids because they're there. Why not? But Mr. Mountshroud uses his powers to make a couple of brooms fly. I also like how, you know, the stereotypical witch uses a broom and flies and he makes that happen right after explaining to the kids that they don't, that real witches didn't have powers. They just, were like, smart. Had, they were just doing their, like, it was like art and their rituals and what they believed and people just called it witchcraft when in actuality it was like religion. It wasn't really anything. Well, well was they were saying they that did. somebody that was a witch was somebody that was smart. Yeah. Somebody that that knew a lot, but then he kind of like he he takes what you think of a witch, a stereotypical right. witch, and and uses it to their advantage. I just I found that kind of ironic. Yeah, it was weird when you really think about it. It was it was <laughs> an interesting choice, absolutely. But Mister Mountshrout's an interesting guy, so he definitely is. Uh, the group eventually sees Pipkin himself riding a broom, flying himself, I believe. Right, he's he's flying in a broom too, which I found weird. And he's holding the pumpkin. Mr. Mountshroud starts to chase him. And in an attempt to grab the jack-o'-lantern, he pushes Pipkin off, sending him flying down. And Jenny, who again is dressed as a witch, who at this point we learn is like deathly, af- she's afraid of heights. Like right. she, <laughs> She's just scared of heights. And she puts her fear aside to catch Pipkin and kind of tells him like to come with her like come with me please and he just flies away and they have to follow him again because again this is kind of a cat and mouse situation where they keep chasing him because he's scared of Mr. Mountshroud. I just love how the guy that he doesn't want to be with they have on their team like <laughs> it's so. very it's very odd but they need him to yep. catch Pipkin so He's shit out of luck, but he doesn't understand that, Pipkin. He's being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Pipkin. Fucking Pipkin. This time, the group flies into France and discovers an unfinished Notre Dame cathedral. This is a little weird, too. Mr. Mountshrout informs the kids at the cathedral, like, he informs them why cathedrals have demons and gargoyle statues on them like he just kind of breaks down the history 
of why these buildings have these these monsters referencing Wally's costume because again Wally is dressed up as a random monster with horns the kids are standing in front of the cathedral and notice I believe that Pipkin's ghost flies to the top of it and since it's unfinished they can't reach the top so Mr. Moundshroud using his magical powers tells them they can go up it and he will help them kind of build it but and this was a small detail I really dug he can't enter the building. Right. Which kind of implies that he's some sort of evil force Absolutely. that can't enter a Christian building. The the whole time it's such a it's such a weird dynamic because he clearly isn't a good dude. You know what I mean? And yet these kids are doing everything for him. And it's just and like but yet he's also teaching them history and he's also teaching them to confront their fears it's a very odd dynamic but it it works it's a fucking cartoon we're not going to question it you you kind of get the sense that he's just using the kids like or or he thinks he's using the like Like, yeah but he's using them (laughs) but he's also deceiving them kind of but he's also not deceiving them it's it's so strange and it turns out at the end when we get to it that the kids are obviously smarter than I guess he anticipated. But if he is this like demon or something, he's not very smart. That's all <laughs> that's in his in his ultimate plan. So once on top of the cathedral, Wally discovers a gargoyle statue in the shape of Pipkin and the Jack-O-Lantern. Uh I want to describe this like Pipkin gargoyle because it's really fucking eerie looking. So it's Pipkin's face holding the jack-o'-lantern with these like set of wings like an angel behind him and water constantly just shooting out of his mouth. It's it's just like really, it was honestly pretty dark and eerie and he's just pleading with the kids like, please Wally, please. He's like, he's because he's, he's kind of weakening every time he jumps from through these different time periods and... Wally tells Pipkin to stay strong. And that interaction between between Wally and Pipkin is actually really emotional. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. can feel it. It's honestly, like, up until this point, the most emotional. Because yeah. Pipkin is, like, trapped as, like, a, a gargoyle statue or a statue in general. And he doesn't, you can tell he's kind of lost and doesn't really know what to do. And I guess yeah. Wally's kind of, like offering him like let's just just stay strong we're, we're coming for you we're trying to help you but then he runs away so you're just yeah. like all right okay <laughs> fucking pipkin sure. again come on man <laughs> so this time the kids enter mexico during the day of the dead celebration dias yep. de los muertos makes sense and they learn about the culture's use of skulls and skeletons and you see like people running around and and praying and, and and offering, I think, treats and goods to ghosts who you see kind of flowing all around, fly, flying all around the town and, and stuff like that. Eventually, the group finds Pipkin, who at this point is extremely weakened. He's he's fading away. And we learn that Tom, the entire time, is the reason. Or, well, he's he's blaming himself because he admits to, to Pipkin's 
fading spirit that he wished something bad would happen to him so he could become the leader of the group for once. I never got the sense. Neither did I. I know exactly Tom what you're going to say. Yep. Was this vindictive? And it kind of came. It didn't, it's not that it came out of nowhere, but I just. I, like, you could tell Tom looked up to him. That was like his best friend, one of his best friends. But I never really got the sense. I really wish they would have. It's a great. I, I love the scene. I love it how, is it, very good. how they put it together. But you never got the sense earlier on that. He wished something bad upon him. Like, no, there was no bad intentions. That's I. I completely agree that I never got that sense at all. Yeah, it was. It's interesting. Again, the execution was a little weird, but the scene is a. It is a great scene, and Pipkin, you know, eventually forgives him and he listens to him and he he basically tell him this is his line. He goes, "You can be the leader of the group anytime. Like, don't be silly. Like, right." I'm not above you. She kind of just stating that, you know, Pipkin's not a Pipkin. That was never Pipkin's intentions. He wasn't trying to be like, right. This is how he was to show off. That's yeah. just how he was. And then after that, Pipkin's spirit crumbles into dust. Mr. Mountrout then shows up at this point. The kids are kind of by themselves. He shows up as a peddler wearing a big sombrero and he's kind of in the shadows and, he tells the kids that they're, they've run out of time and that Pip's spirit is his property now. And the kids come up with this, like, deal now. They have, they're, they're, they're bargaining with Mr. Mountrout. And they offer a year of the end of their life for Pipkin's return. Basically, don't let Pipkin die and you can take a, a, a life from each one of us. So he's got four years between them at the end of... Of their life. And, and Mr. Mountrout has this great line where he's kind of saying, like, you know, it could be when you're in, in 40 years or 30 years or 60 years. It's really interesting to throw this into the mix of what's going on because this is a cartoon. So imagine being a kid and being and hearing, like, well, I'll give you a year off my life. And then all the other friends jumping in, I'll give you a year off my life. Like, that's like a pretty dark thing to to throw into a cartoon. Yeah, it's it's subtle too in, in during the scene. They don't really like it's it's kind of just like okay, take a year of our life right. when you really think you about think it. You're about like, it, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up. It's not it's 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 kind of morbid when you think about it. And he Absolutely. I think Mr. Uh, Mountshound even Mr. Mountshroud even says um you might regret this. Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a like it's a year of your life. When the time comes, there is no going back. And the kids kind of just brush it off. But again, they're, they're kids. They're like 10, 11. They don't fucking know any better. <laughs> they love their friend. So he agrees to the deal. Um, he gives the kids these like sugar, these candy sugar skulls to eat. They really want each one of, one of them have Pipkin's name on it. Yeah. Uh, this seals the deal. And Mr. Mr. Shroud also, he makes these like magical pinatas appear, which was a really, it's just a cool scene because each one of the piñatas represent the different places they visited on this adventure. And then you see like a group of kids come and hit them. It's a cool visual visual and it's the transition between this dreamlike adventure and their real the real world, like back home. So Pipkin is brought back to life and the kids are magically transported back home. Uh, they rush over to Pipkin's house. And they discover that he's back home from the hospital. 
and he's all right now. He's, you know, he's out his window. He's like, guys, what's going on? You know, they're, they're having their little typical old school talking to each other from the window type of thing you used to do when you were a kid. Yeah. And Pipkin kind of hints at some of the experiences that the group had in a very like Wizard of Oz dreamlike situation. Like, did this really happen? Did it not really happen? type of situation like you don't know if this magical guy really took them through these different time periods right. like you know it works like similar to what we what we've recently covered over the garden wall Absolutely. has a similar type of ending where was it a dream was it, it's a classic ending honestly it really is and it, it's yeah. timeless and you'll never i think you could use this for a lot of different stories you know Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland. It's like, what was this all the dream? You know, what, it, it, I always, I've always liked that ending because of the mystique behind it. You know, Absolutely. some people might think it's a cop-out ending. I don't think that at all. Right. And I, I even have it written down. Like, I wrote hot take. So, do you think that this was Pip's dream? Personally, I think it was his dream. And I think, I, I, I think I want to think, like, or at least I want this to have been the intention of them showing up to his house at the very end is the beginning of the uh of the halloween night for them no that's a really cool way of of looking at it when you really think about it i do think that they run home after that like i think they like run off to their to their homes after they talk to pipkin but i i could see that it could easily have been his dream while he was in the hospital unconscious like going through this surgery so it does make sense. And he does yeah. say like, oh, you know, I just remember seeing this guy and going here and doing that. So that 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 definitely, I do think it was his dream, to answer your question. I do think sure. it was a, a Wizard of Oz scenario happening there. I hope so. So the special ends uh, back at the, uh, Mr. Mountrown's mansion. And we see all the jack-o'-lanterns in the, in the Halloween tree being blown out. All the candles are going out. And the only pumpkin left is Pipkin's jack-o'-lantern, the one that looks like him. It's the one single pumpkin just sitting in the tree. And I think that imagery alone is beautiful. Look at them all. A pumpkin tree. No, a Halloween tree. In typical Haunted Hangover podcast fashion, we're going to go over our favorite things and things we didn't like. So my first favorite thing of the Halloween tree that I liked very much was in the very beginning when all the kids meet up in the intersection of the neighborhood, suburbia, whatever you want to call it. That was such a thing because I, I can relate to this so hard. That's why That's why I loved it so much. Being a kid... Especially, like, when you're, like... And I'm assuming these kids are probably, like, 12. Something like that, right? Yeah. You picked a place to meet up. And you all met up. And then whatever fucking adventure that... Whatever plan... Whatever hijinks that you guys wanted to plan out and do... Like, that's what you did. And that's exactly what these kids did. And I just love that. Because I was like, yeah, this was, th- we did this. So, I really did love that. It's interesting because I think that's kind of become a trope now with a lot of like shows and movies. So like Stranger Things, yeah, it's, the new yeah. It movies. You have like kids on their bikes meeting up to go do something, go on an adventure. 
You know, so I feel like it is, it, it's something I think kids used to do. I don't think kids yeah, do that anymore. No, it's definitely not like that. I mean, it's it. it I'm sure that there are there there are you know slices of that that still exist. But you know, the the, the depiction of youth is pretty accurate in this, and you know, running around in the suburbs, you know, in the ravine, it's like it just brought me back to like just a simpler way of how things were done when we were kids because now it's like there's technology you don't have to go meet up anywhere and especially now people are just meeting up virtually which obviously makes sense but even before this pandemic i think that's definitely the you know the lost art of being a teenager if you will yeah, man. Kids don't even, like, meet up to play tag anymore. Like, I, I was thinking about that a few months ago. I was like, man, I remember running outside and just playing tag, playing freeze tag. And, like, now I look outside, you don't really see kids doing that, you know? No, it's fucking different. <laughs> Makes us sound like two old men when we talk about shit like this. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, okay. <laughs> so one thing I really liked about this was the whole kite scene. The whole idea that they, and it's a bit random, and if I remember correctly, I think they elaborated on it a little more in the book, but they use all these old circus posters, and like all the posters are different animals, tigers, elephants, and and just every anything you see at a circus, it was mostly animals. You don't even see animals at circuses anymore because of, no. they abuse the shit out of them, which is a whole other thing, but regardless... They take all these posters and Mr. Mountroud puts them all together in this kite and they make this like beast face. They all make one big like monster face. Yeah, it's all it's all different sections of the posters that make a face. And the kite's having trouble flying because they realize that the kite needs a tail. And who's the tail? The four of them. I love how the four of them all grab each other by the feet or whatever, the legs. And they're the kite's tail. And they fly away. And just that whole scene was great. Like, them by the barn and, and all the old posters. And it was like a farm type situation. It's dark out. That was awesome. It just, it had so much atmosphere. And I feel like it set the magical tone. For sure. And right before that's the whole thing with the tree and the mansion. But like... Just them getting flow, like flying away into this other world, into other times. It's just very magical, and I and and definitely. I just I just liked it. I just loved it. I thought it was a great great little scene to introduce the time the time travel portion of this this film, this special. To my knowledge, I have never seen an enamel pin made of this kite, and I think somebody needs to make a enamel pin of the kite. So. If we have any listeners out there that make pins, make the kite from the Halloween tree. Another thing that I liked a lot from the Halloween tree was the friend's sacrifice at the end. I really liked how precious friendship was to these kids. Because if you think about it, when you are that age, when you're like 11 to like 14 years old, 15 years old, your friends are your world. Like, you want to go hang out with your friends. You want to go ride bikes with your friends. You want to go play manhunt and fucking hide and go seek and you know like like recreate movie scenes and do like dumb shit with your friends and they loved their friends so much that they were willing to fucking take a year off of their life for their for, for their friend to live 
It's like, it's like, it was, like, it almost made me cry. I was like, this is such, like, a touching moment. And I, I just really loved it. I really loved how pure that moment was. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting concept because, you know, people are always like, oh, kids don't know any better. And they're just kind of, you know, when you're when you're 12, you're, you're, you don't think about life and death. You don't really comprehend it, I feel. No, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it's there's an innocence to it. There's, a, you know. And, Absolutely. And they don't. It's almost like they don't know any better. And in, in, in the end, like Mr. Mountshroud, he just agrees to it. Because I guess for him, it's like, I'm getting all four of these guys eventually. Right. Eventually, your, your time's up. And yeah. It, it's it's kind of scary. It's, it's, you it's know, fucked when you, up. When you really think about it, it's, yeah, it is. It's fucked up. It's not, it's, it's very dark. Very, very adult. I have a little sidebar that I want to add to this. And it's that I love that Mountshroud was kind of opening these kids' eyes to like, so like, oh, you're a mummy. Why are you a mummy? You know, why are you a witch? And I think, and maybe I'm looking into this too much, maybe I'm not. It's like a lot of people sometimes do things without thinking. And I think the whole point of that is to to put thought into things that you do. And I think like that's something that everybody should, you know, should consider is like really put thought into what you're doing. Like, you know, like you're going to go as something for Halloween and I'm not talking about some bullshit <laughs> costume. Like every A time, sexy cop. like, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, like every, anytime that I do a Halloween costume, there's thought put into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and, and I think that should just be applied to life in general is that like put thought into anything that you do, like open your fucking eyes. So I really like that. So that's like the sidebar. It's like so that's technically a third thing I really liked about this. So, what about you, Louis? So, so my final thing is the character of Mister Mountshroud, just as a as a character. Like Jim, yeah. I just think he's a great, <laughs> he is. great character. He's not really the like villain, like we were no, talking about. No, he's before. not. It's weird. He's like a weird in between because he is going along the journey with these kids. He's not hurting them. No. But at the same time, there's some underlying shit going on there. Yeah. And as far as his appearance, um, he reminds me a lot of the creep from Creep Show 2. He even sounds like him a little bit. Like Leonard Nimoy's voice is almost unrecognizable. Yeah, it does not him. sound like Spock not at, at all. all. And I just found it kind of funny how like I don't I don't know if this guy was in influenced by the creep from Creep Show too cuz there's in the in the original Creep Show it's like the puppet it's not really it's more like I think the animated intro is really the only time you really see it in the sequel all the the wraparounds entirely animated so I just thought that was really funny and just like his look with the bald protruding head and the big pointy nose and like the vampire cape and the suit yeah. he's like what you think of when you think of a, a, a Halloween character, like that's why I said he literally looks like somebody that dwells in a fucking haunted house or a castle. Like that's yeah. literally what he looks like. A hundred percent. And just and I also like that he like he's the Grim Reaper. He yeah. it that's basically what he is. I don't know if it's this is the form the Grim Reaper takes during October, <laughs> right? And then the rest of the year he looks like the normal with the sickle and the right or the scythe and the hood. Like, but like, that's basically what he was. He's the Grim Reaper. And I just thought, like, I almost feel like he turned into the, the Grim Reaper turned into this character 
to trick the kids going back to his sinister agenda with them, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, I really enjoyed his character as just I did the too. creepiest, like, you know, like we said earlier, we'd go along with him. Absolutely. That just makes us fucking crazy <laughs> in the head. But like, if you saw a dude that looked like that in real life, it would probably freak you out. And, and another thing, another side thing for me is, I think this, this story would make a hell of a live action movie. Definitely. Like, if you know, as a director myself, well, I if I had no budget you need to, to do, do it, this would be the movie I would make because I just think you know, again, him as a character, the atmosphere, just some of the scenes. Like it, I, while I was watching it, and I hadn't watched it in maybe six years, I was like, man, why hasn't someone adapted it? Made yeah. a live action film of this? Like you know, yeah. I know Tim Burton's kind of a tired like director at this point people kind of just roll their eyes with his movies because honestly they're not that good the last 15 years he hasn't made a great movie i think big fish was his last great movie um off the top of my head but like this is what he should have made instead of like alice in wonderland and willy wonka and the chocolate factory like 15 years ago this is what he should have directed yeah this that's actually a great pair i guess there isn't a market for it or something i have no idea i would love to direct it hey someone throw money my way I'll uh, do it. I'll direct the live action Halloween tree movie. And just another sidebar, both Louie and I have not, we did not talk about this before recording. So we both had written down that Mound Shroud looked like the creep from Creepshow. Yeah. I had put Mr. Burns and the creep from Creepshow and Louie said he looked like the Creepshow. It was really funny that we both had that written down. <laughs> as soon as I saw him, dude, that's what I thought of. So Dave, going on to the uh, going on to the negative, what's something you disliked about the uh, special? Honestly, it's it's a small it's a small critique, and it's it really isn't really a critique, I guess. But and it, and, it, and it's kind of a contradiction because we both love the kite, but I didn't understand why they had to make a kite when they could have just flew on Mount Shroud's fucking cape wings. I was like, why do they have to do all this? And he looks so fucking cool flying with his cape so i'm like these kids could have just flew on this cape and looked fucking cool doing it not that the kite didn't look cool but the cape to me was cooler so that was my only thing about it i was like they literally could have just hopped on mountrons back and went flying thinking back like so they they fly on the kite their first trip into time the second time they fly on brooms what the hell i don't think they use any other objects to fly around the last two times so you're right. He could have just used his magical powers to transport them through all these different eras. And there, and there is one scene. There is a scene where they do finally ride on his coattails. And then I'm just like, why couldn't they just do that in the first place? <laughs> well, that was it. That was That's it. just an issue with logic. Uh, it makes it. no sense. You can't overthink it. <laughs> what about you? So the one thing I didn't like was the whole Notre Dame cathedral scene. Uh, I okay, I like the way it looked. I, I thought it looked great. The the entire setup is really cool. Like them stumbling across, like stumbling upon the the cathedral, unbuilt, unfinished. But I just don't understand the association with Halloween because the other three make perfect sense. Egypt with the mummies, and leaving you know leaving out things for the dead and feeding the dead yeah. and. And Dias de los Muertos and and the whole thing with the witches and the brooms and the witch burnings. That all kind of made sense with their costumes 
and Halloween is a holiday, but the whole thing with the the gargoyles and the the statues was just kind of random. Yeah. And I guess that was all they I guess when Ray Bradbury was writing this book or or and the screenplay for this, I guess he had to incorporate a monster somehow because of Wally's costume and that's what he came up with. It just felt a little out of out of place for me. That's yeah, just I mean it it wasn't enough to make it like what? It it's it definitely a little odd, but again, it's not distracting to the story overall. Yeah, I I was just trying to think when I was watching it. I was like, what would I choose yeah to symbolize his costume because he's a monster like the other three i guess their costumes were just easy witch skeleton and mummy so i guess like monsters are supernatural beings so like how like it was weird i again i do like the scene i like the whole setup again atmospheric the visuals were really cool but it just didn't really work with the halloween aspect yeah, I guess. Of, of telling the kids the history of the holiday that's just me yeah but dave would you recommend this as a halloween watch what and listen seeing it for the first time yes 100 percent. and i think this and over the garden wall would make an amazing pairing of course that's a great double feature yeah that's what i'm 100%. saying percent and and i i agree again i think i said it earlier i think this is a super underrated classic animated short or animated film it's not really a short it's almost like right a it's an hour and 10 minutes I, it's an hour and 10 minutes a lot of people you know again just don't i don't hear people talking about it like no. over the garden wall it it does have its fans but not enough not enough people i just i don't see it i don't see merch for this going back no. to your pin idea for the uh yeah. kite i don't see t-shirts i don't see action figures I don't know why it's not a bigger deal. It needs to be a bigger deal. I think it needs to be something bigger than it is. It just, it's lost to me. I don't get why it's not. Yeah, it's just a little strange, but hey, at least we have it, right? So two things, two final things that I want to add before we close the show out is back to the Egypt sequence. There is a house over by us that's about like that's close to queens that we had to take a ride over there one day that the house is entirely decorated egyptian themed like oh, there's statue <laughs> there's statues life like like huge statues of anubis everywhere if you look inside the house all the walls are gold plated listen i've i've walked past it and i've looked at it it gives me weird vibes. Like, I don't get a warm vibe. Like, to me, like, that person that lives in that house, to me, is fucking, is definitely on some shit. Like, some fucking, like, evil stuff. But that's just me. But you gotta see it. There's, like, jaguar sta- uh, jaguar statues. It's really interesting to see. We're gonna have to go over there and look at it, because you're gonna love it. It's hard to take photographs of it, too, because the house is up on, like, on, kind of, like, on a hill, kind of. So, like, you're, like, literally standing feet away from the door, but everything's up. So, to get, like, a nice shot of everything, it's hard. But it, it's <laughs> it's definitely a sight. We, gotta, we have to go over there. And the other thing I wanted to add, and this is kind of, like, in a, an encompassing statement, is stuff like this, like, the Halloween tree, Goonies, like... 
And I know I just threw Goonies in there because it's kind of random. But <laughs> kids' movies and cartoons, stuff like this that were made in the 90s, stuff like this that were made in the 80s, they oozed this sense of adventure. And this was a perfect example of of an uh, of a, a friend adventure type of story. And I think that really kind of like this type of storytelling has really lost its way, especially now because I haven't seen anything maybe besides Over the Garden Wall. And listen, I could there's shit that I probably missed, but like this kind of storytelling is very absent nowadays. And I just wanted to add, I think I there's something I want I just kind of hit me when I was watching. I was like there aren't things like this anymore. So in closing, I think the Halloween tree is an underrated classic. I feel it explains life and death pretty well and is something more kids and adults need to watch during the Halloween season. It oozes with fall slash Halloween atmosphere and overall has a pretty positive message on not fearing death. So if you haven't watched the Halloween tree, do it. You won't regret it. Come down from there. What are you? <gasps> Look, the pumpkin. It looks just like Pip. So that was the Halloween tree. Be sure to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Haunted Hangover. And if you can rate and review us, that would be greatly appreciated. And remember, the best cure for a hangover is more booze. Later, guys.